Well, welcome to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. So glad you tuned in. I told you this day was coming sooner than later, and it's here. Yesterday, we had the first, you know, the primary season begins. It always starts out traditionally with the Iowa caucuses. Well, the Iowa caucuses happened yesterday. They moved them up. And, and so now they're early, early. How did Donald Trump do? How did Joe Biden do? And what does this mean for us as Christians? We're going to get into, there were some crazy things happening in Iowa a week or so ago. There was a video that was made. We're going to talk about that. Kind of put Donald Trump looking like the Messiah. A lot of pastors objected to it. There are a lot of Christians who are still thinking, oh, I think the, uh, I'm going to vote for whoever I want to because Donald Trump doesn't have a 60-point lead over everybody else. Guess what, brothers and sisters? The day of reckoning is here. The primary season has begun. We're going to take a look at the Trump turnout. We're going to look at Joe Biden's turnout and why that video is so crazy. As a matter of fact, we're going to start doing some live chat later in the program today, and you can get in on that. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the broadcast. Speaking of education, which is always a big hot button issue when it comes to election years and things like that. You remember about a month ago, we had an attorney by the name of Paul Jonah who joined us to talk about a couple of teachers he's representing in their case against the Escondido Union School District. Uh, the Escondido Union School District and the state of California have this, I think, delusional idea that it is better to encourage school districts to have their teachers play along with a child who's... Gender dysphoria is no joke. I mean, this is the left doesn't understand. When COVID happened, there were very few of us who didn't believe that COVID was happening. We knew it was. And we knew people whose health was being impacted. What you heard us rallying around here on the Bottom Line Show was why were there no treatments? Why was there only waiting for the vaccine? Why were so many people being hospitalized and losing their lives in the hospital, et cetera, et cetera. It's the same thing with gender dysphoria in kids. It's everywhere in the media for us to stick our head in the sand and say, nope, I'm going to have a good Christian school experience and we won't have to worry about it. Forget it. If one out of every five members of Generation Z and then Generation Alpha that's coming up behind them is identifying as transgender, it doesn't mean they want to have surgery. It just means they identify with that cause because they have friends who do as well. So a lot of left-leaning progressive school districts like everyone in California, that's a California law, has gone along with this fairy tale that if a child is experiencing gender dysphoria, the best thing for them is not to get counseling. It's not to talk to somebody like Joe Dallas or uh, Ann Edward from uh, Restored Hope Network or whatever that can help them work through these feelings. But understanding that 90% of kids who have these feelings wind up just kind of outgrowing them. It's just, it's a sign of puberty. And the New York Times is telling us yesterday, puberty starts between ages six and seven for some kids these days. But Escondido Union School District has a couple of middle school teachers who taught at Rincon Middle School, Elizabeth Mirabelli and Lorianne West, and they didn't like the policy. Back in April, they filed a lawsuit. They filed a lawsuit against the school, against the school district, against California Board of Education. They said the gender identity policies require us to hide a student's gender dysphoria from a parent. That is a violation of First Amendment rights and our Christian faith. So then the school district made it virtually impossible, you want to talk about a hostile work environment, for them to work there. Last September, a judge by the name of Roger Benitez issued a stay saying, now wait a minute, we got to take a look at this case and, you know, and we're, not going to, we're not going to let the school district impose this case, or this policy, until we've had a chance to review it. Last week, Judge Benitez 
ruled in favor of Elizabeth Mirabelli and Lorianne West that they must be allowed to return to their jobs at Rincon Middle School. Now, uh, Paul Jonah is working with the uh, Thomas More Society, which is an outstanding uh, uh, pro-life group out of Illinois. Um, the uh, Escondido Union School District has not responded yet to the charges. There was a civil component there where um, Paul Jonah and his team were, were seeking uh, damages in the form of attorney's fees, and Judge Benitez denied that request. But this, this isn't the end of the story. But Ann West especially said, look, I just want to teach. I just want to get back in the classroom. Can we do that? I keep wondering why the tolerant, air quotes, uh, inclusive, welcoming left always go. These two women have been teaching for 25 and 30 years apiece. They just want to do their job. They just want to help the, the kids out. And yet, because they're Christian women who don't go along with the uh, malady of the day on the left, they're the so-called tolerant and inclusive leftists don't want them on campus. This is the kind of issue we're going to be dealing with at the polls uh, this spring here in the People's Republic. And then, of course, in November, well, October, November with early voting. But you know what's interesting is there are ways that we in the body of Christ can make a positive stand for uh, our faith and what it means to be a Christian in the 21st century, especially as it pertains to um, education. Uh, pastor Ben Appleby is lead pastor at Watermark OC Church uh, right here in Costa Mesa, literally just right down the street from the Bottom Line Show Studios. And they are hosting a homeschool made simple seminar on Saturday, January the 20th. If you are local, if you're in the Southern California area and you have kids or grandkids and you've been considering the homeschooling option, this is an event that you want to be a part of. Uh, Teresa Kim from our staff is going to be there this Saturday. We want you to be there too. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Ben Appleby and I are going to talk about the event and why taking a faith-based approach to homeschooling is the great and God-honoring thing to do. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trust. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain. So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out so you can see it's definitely not a REIT, or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account. And then while you're on the phone and ask about our accounts that are based even higher amounts for funds over 250,000. Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, simply better alternatives. Well, as we've been talking about education and the importance of getting the right kind of education for the kids in your world, uh, we've got a great event coming up this Saturday. We're going to be a part of it, and we're so grateful to Watermark Church OC uh, for hosting this. Pastor Ben Appleby is with me today. We're going to talk about Homeschool Made Simple, a literature-based approach to education, which is happening this Saturday, January 20th at Watermark Church. Pastor Ben Appleby, welcome to the Bottom Line Show today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. 
Well, it's a privilege to have you on here too, especially as we're talking about the value and the importance of Christian education. And a lot of people, especially during the pan pandemic, but I think maybe be even before that, a lot of people were saying, okay, private school, sure, public school, whatever that's going to be for our family. But homeschool became more of an option and a lot more parents and grandparents said, yeah, we can do this. Talk about the this Homeschool Made Simple seminar that's coming up this Saturday and what you're hoping to accomplish by hosting this at your, at your church. Yeah, thank you again. I think that you're dead right. I think ever since really the pandemic, Roger, um, families have been at their wits end. What do we do? Where do we churn? What resources do we have? And they just feel stuck on all sides. You know, public mm -hmm. education is fraught with so many snares and obstacles. Um, private education is not affordable for all. And even homeschool, to be honest, um, not everyone has the privilege of um, having one parent who can be bivocational or stay at home. And so um, but what we've sought to do for those folks that, that do have that margin where someone can be in the home and wants to take back not just their education, but their formation of these young, uh, critical minds right. um, is this, this gal, Carol Joyside. And so I think just even to make it really personal, Roger, like this is as much my story, my, my wife and I, Riley, uh, and our 11 children, um, as it is anything about an event that we could share. We made the decision years ago to homeschool, and, and this gal, Carol, um, just simplified everything for us. She dispelled all of the you know, rumors and myths and uh, endless complexities that people kind of make homeschooling out to be. And, mm -hmm. she, and, and just like the subtitle says, she made homeschooling simple. And, it, and so, yeah, we're just so excited to have anyone, whether they have two-year-olds, four-year-olds, six-year-olds, or they're just about to become parents for the first time, help them answer that question for themselves. Well, I don't want to run past something too quickly here, Pastor Ben Appleby of Watermark Church OC. You said you and your wife, Riley, and your 11 children. Did I hear you correctly on that yeah. one? <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's not a, a radio blip or a phone call, uh, you know. <laughs> well, I, I, talk, I mean, and, and you're a pastor of a church, nice, easy job, you know, really laid back, and then you're trying to homeschool 11 kids. But you've got your own classroom right there. I mean, it's actually a pretty good-sized uh, Christian school when you think about it. But, yeah, but the, everywhere we go, Roger, people mistake us for, a, a you know, a um, daycare group or right. some kind of organization. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's a field trip every time the Applebee's are uh -huh. um, Let's talk about some of the things that we're going to discuss at this event, though, because, I mean, there's some people who are going to come in and they're just going to say, hey, wait a minute, homeschooling, I never thought it was for me. Okay, so what am I going to learn? But others may have said, you know, I tried this once before and I kind of messed it up. I mean, what, what, what are you hoping people come away from this event this Saturday at Watermark Church OC? Yeah, I think the key word that would reduce everything down to is, is simplicity. And I love that you're calling out the, the folks who have tried and um, maybe decided to give it up. Um, I, I think what most of those families experience is too much. It's just the, mm -hmm. it's the classic case of too much. And you're submitting assignments maybe to a charter or to a co-op and all this work and all this management. This, this program that Carol really supports is, is really stripped down to the essentials. It's, um, you know, um, literature that is um, Christian sponsored, you know, and that's really, by the way, just to say something very specifically, if this event is nine to five, if you came for any portion and you paid to go, something you would get in your hand to leave with pr printed out is the most beautiful curated list of reading um, resources curriculum mm -hmm. for a whole mm -hmm. year. That's wow. really one of the standout things that people pay for, for one of Carol's conferences is to get that whole thing built out for you. It's done for you. I mean, that's what you're paying for. It's done for you. 
And, and so one of the marks of this kind of homeschool philosophy is read aloud. Um, there's, a, there's another show pe- we could point people to called Read Aloud Revival. These are Christian folks who have found the best literature in the world that kids love to listen to. And, and that's really what we've based our entire system off of is, is read aloud. So they're getting their science, they're getting their history, they're getting um, their geography, they're getting so many of these topics just through our, our awesome um, annual reading list. So that's mm. one of many things I'd say, but just to start, end where I began, simplicity. So if you, you felt so overwhelmed last time you tried or whatever model you used, and there's lots of good philosophies, we, we appreciate that. This model, again, a family with 11 kids, of course, you know, four to five of them are school age, but... Um, as you can imagine, my wife doesn't have a staff, and she's doing right. most of it on her own in the home. Mm. So um, take it from us. Um, Carol has one of the best schools of thought of anyone we've, you know, we've seen come across. Mm. I think that's great. Pastor Ben Appleby is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. He's the lead pastor at Watermark Church OC. We've got a link for watermarkoc.com up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we're talking about their special Homeschool Made Simple seminar, which is happening this Saturday, January the 20th on campus, and we've got a link at watermarkoc.com at thebottomlineshow.com, so you can register. We've also got it on our K-Bright page as well. I'm so glad this is literature-based, Pastor Ben, and I, and, and I can't stress enough, I'm the son of a career educator, father and career educator, mother. I mean, my, I'm, I've got kids who are instructors and teaching, and education is a huge part of what we do. All of them have been involved in public, private, and, and uh, uh, homeschooling at some point. And literature is so key. And there's a, I think there's a misnomer in the culture right now that people of faith are looking at books, looking at literature and saying, we're going to ban everything we don't like, rather than realizing, no, wait a minute, that's what progressives do. What pe- people of faith do is we look at literature and say, what is the most edifying, whatever is true and noble and lovely? And that's what we're putting in front of our kids. Talk about how this has helped your family, you and Riley, with your 11 that you've been homeschooling. Yeah. Yeah, Roger, I, I so appreciate that cue to our Christian culture today. We'll often say at Watermark, whether I'm in a newcomer class or a leadership development class, that we're not a book-burning church. <laughs> and and I, I'm, I'm, it makes me sad to see some of our tradition going that way in modern evangelicalism, um, as if truth doesn't hold up, as if it won't stand for itself. And we find ourselves, once again, in this antagonistic culture war. So I just want to affirm that and qualify that and say that's not what we do in this homeschool culture. We don't find ourselves as this weird cell where we're afraid to you know, engage with um, all literature with a critical eye. But suffice to say, number one, it is curated by um, Orthodox Christian leaders, this reading list. And, and this is the, really the one thing I'd say, Roger, that is just a riot. One of the things that I hold as a, you know, a co-parent in our homeschool endeavors is I get to do the last hour of the day read aloud when the kids mm-hmm. are going to bed. And so a lot of people, the first thing parents ask is, well, how many kids do you read to? And does it matter what the reading age is? And I say, look, at downstairs, we've got three bedrooms. And again, we're blessed to have a home with this kind of space. I sit in the hall and I project my voice into three bedrooms. And the kids are, the age range is six to 12 years old. And, uh, you know, there's, yeah, there's two, four, seven. There's seven kids down mm-hmm. there at, at this mm-hmm. current phase. And I will wind them down at the end of the day with one of these epic novels from this reading list that I mentioned before. And I'm telling you, Roger, like, I look forward to jumping back into the book myself. I'm engaged. I'm entertained. I'm amused by these classic works. And right now we're in the medieval period, right? And there's just this um, unbelievable book series that we're in. It's a five-book set. And so they love it. They're falling in love with learning, aren't they? 
I mean, mm-hmm. if they if they fall in love with books, the whole world is open to them. So I could go on and on, obviously. Yeah, well, <laughs> and that's why you want to come to the seminar. I, you know, it is encouraging, though. I mean, I love the the nighttime story time, and I remember those years. Gosh, low those many years ago. As now, my kids are all in their thirties. Um, but realizing that there was a time, you know, where we had story time, where we had, and sometimes we were reading out of a book, sometimes we're reading out of scripture. Sometimes I was just, you know, making stuff up on the fly. And those were the worst nights because I have no imagination whatsoever. <laughs> but the idea that a, a dear friend of mine has taught literature in public school for almost 30 years, and she talks about why this is her mission field. And she says, look, literature is where people learn about humanity and in the secular you know world Mm -hmm. they're 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 looking about you know at from what society telling us what feels good right now but we're taking the approach as christians and and you're i'm including me in this whole uh event that's happening this saturday at watermark oc and saying no wait a minute that god has gifted us if you look at the bible just as literature if you look i mean it's gorgeous it's it's fantastically written but then there's something to it talk about why this homeschooling approach really inspires kids to do more than just become educational robots that learn a lot. This kid graduated, he was homeschooled and he graduated from high school at age nine. You know, we hear all that. That's not what this is about. It's not trying to make Mm -hmm. super, super smart, intelligent machines, but rather to say, we want to be well-rounded souls and spirits that are carrying the light of Christ into the world. Yeah, that's beautiful, Roger. And, And I so agree that the objective has to be more nuanced than just a bunch of smarty pants. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, some el- elitist homeschoolers. That's that, that's not going to be the deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's two things that that the literature-based approach and the homeschool model as a whole offers. The first one is imagination. You know, I, I, I love what Daryl Johnson says in his wonderful book on Revelation, um, Discipleship on the Edge. He says that, um, you know, the, the, the Revelation is just a retelling of the gospel through images. <laughs> He says that what's so wonderful about this book is we get to wash our imaginations with the gospel, with who and what Jesus is and what he comes to do. And, you know, this could be a whole other episode, but in place of screens and a hyper-dependence on screens in our house, we give them literature. What can they not create in their own minds through the rich and and deep, um, you know, uh, imagery that they find on the books of the pages of these books, um, you know, that they can't find anywhere else. And so they have this amazing tapestry where, where God already built into their minds the ability to create these places in their minds. So that's what you're getting. You're getting a, a kind of a reinvigorated imagination. And the second thing you're getting is, is people that are creative for the vocations. You know, we understand like our aim for, for raising these kids in the home from zero to 18 is that they're released into the world, ready to be workers for the Lord, whatever industry, you know, there's no mm-hmm. sacred, secular kind of thing. We believe that whatever you do for work, it's your worship. And so we, we to be able to have our finger on that pulse to help kids be directed in their calling is a huge added benefit. Boy, it sounds like it. And I, I, I'm great to hear how excited you are, uh, Pastor Ben Appleby from Watermark OC, about this event that's coming up this Saturday, Homeschool Made Simple, a literature-based approach to education. It's happening Saturday, January the 20th at Watermark OC Church. And we've got a link for uh, registration information at thebottomlineshow.com and also kbrightradio.com. Uh, Pastor Ben, take the final moments, if you will. Talk about why uh, it, it seems like in the culture right now, there are people who are tr- kind of being raised up to either be militant or just to kind of be milk toast, you know, just kind of like, eh, sure. the, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. 
But there's a third option, I think, for those of us in the body of Christ, and that is just the, the, the Christ-focused vision that, that we want our young people to have to say, look, don't just get so either in, enamored with the world around us but, or so discouraged but be inspired by what God is doing in the middle of this. Talk about how this event will kind of uh, rekindle that fire for a lot of students, obviously, but also for parents and grandparents too. Mm, that's, that's, that's awesome, Roger. Um, you know, one word, once again, comes to mind, and it's the hope through the generations. You know, right now you talk about that nighttime story time, and uh, it took us uh, three years <laughs> to get through the whole Bible in a year through read aloud to our kids, mm-hmm. but we read the whole adult Bible to our kids from cover to cover in the last three years. And then we wow. just recently started over again in Genesis. And what do you find as one of the, the biggest intersections in the whole of the scripture, except the, the generational covenant that's made with Abraham, you know, Genesis 12 through 15, you ha- you, whatever God's going to do, he's going to do through the generations. And I got to tell you, Roger, one of the things where my heart breaks for parents of every age and every stage right now, but especially those who are expecting uh, kids and their new parents, they'll, they'll look in my eye and ask, how could I dare bring a child into this world, mm-hmm. into this age, into this era? And what's even the point? And, and, and their hearts are really broken because they see the despair, they see the darkness, and they just, they just think, how could I do that? And, you know, I basically give them the answer of what I just shared with you, and that is the fact that um, God is still working in his redemptive history plan, and he's going to use the generations, and he's going to use our kids, past, you know, present and future. That's how he passes down the gospel, for better or worse, (laughs) through our (laughs) our lackluster witness and our strong witness throughout the ages. He's going to work through the generations, and we just cannot, Roger, the last thing I'll say, We cannot outsource our kids' formation. No one else is going to do that. It is exclusively the job of the parent to sponsor that role. We cannot abdicate it. And so we just exist at Watermark, and as a household, um, we exist to help parents walk into that, that destiny. Give us a little plug for your church as we wrap up our conversation here. Watermark OC, you're the lead pastor now. Uh, t- talk about what you offer in terms of programs and worship times, and where are you? Where do we find you? That's awesome. Thank you for that. We are in Costa Mesa uh, at Paul Reno and Red Hill, and uh, we have Sunday morning services at 9 and 1030. Uh, we're a generational church, and uh, all are welcome. Um, if they're going to give church a chance, again, the doors are wide open. We have church membership, but we also have cherished guests. And so many people know our building for Lion and Lamb, the coffee shop. We're more well known for our coffee shop than maybe even our church services. But um, I would so welcome the opportunity to have coffee with any newcomer, someone who's going to check out the church. And you already shared the website many times, watermarkoc.com. If you're a parent or a grandparent and you're still in this work of forming kids, my wife and I have a newsletter, and um, that can be found at thinkgrit.org. Think, the word grit, G-R it.org, thinkgrit.org. And it's just a way to share our learnings with the world uh, for those who are still in this kind of parenting battle. Mm, Love it. Love it. Well, Pastor Ben Appleby, thank you for the work that you're doing at the church, obviously that fantastic ministry you have with your 11 children. And uh, thank you for being with us today here on The Bottom Line to talk about an event that can be life-changing and transformational, the Homeschool Made Simple, a literature-based approach to education event, Saturday, January 20th, Watermark OC. Ben, thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. I just want to thank you, Roger, and all the great people at K-Bright, including Teresa, who set us up, and uh, just what a wonderful organization. I thank God for you all. 
All right. Well, we've got that link up for watermarkoc.com at thebottomlineshow.com and at kbrightradio.com. Hope you'll join us this Saturday for the Homeschool Made Simple uh, seminar at Watermark OC. Some final thoughts on this issue coming up next as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Pastor Ben Appleby, the lead pastor of Watermark OC Church. Watermarkoc.com is the website and encourage you to check out the uh, the web, not the webinar, the actual seminar that's happening uh, coming up this weekend, this Saturday, uh, this uh, homeschooling education, uh, homeschool made simple, a literature-based approach to education. We've got a link for that up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, you know, it's amazing how many people will look at education, for example, and they'll say, oh, those Christians, all they want to do is ban books. Or they'll look at the elections and say, oh, those Christians, they're, they're going to vote for Donald Trump because they're Christian nationalists and they want to MAGA white nationalism racism. They really don't. People lost a lot of friendships during the Trump administration over misunderstandings. People are still divided over things like COVID and, 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 and the like. And they really don't need to be. And if anyone should be the agent of grace in this area, I believe it's us in the body of Christ. But when life and relationships get complicated and frustrating, it's hard to see somebody else. I, I was watching a pastor over the past weekend preaching a sermon just saying, you know, Jesus sees you as perfect and Jesus sees you as good and Jesus sees all the potential in you. But the way he was presenting it was almost like this zombie-like thing. I thought, well, what if I don't agree with you? I mean, do you, does your head spin around and you come by my head? Well, we don't want to see opponents. We see, you know, well, what do we see? How about seeing the world the way Jesus sees it? Pastor and author Alan Wright is going to join me on the other side of this break. And we're going to talk about seeing as Jesus sees and how a new perspective can defeat the darkness and awaken joy. If you're anticipating a lot of frustration and hatred with the elections coming up, for example, or maybe the economy has gotten to the point where it's causing some consternation in your family, um, I, I encourage you to be with us for the next 20 minutes because we're gonna get into this book. We, we talk about why so many people look at others and we don't see them compassionately. We don't see them for how Jesus sees them. And I have not one, but not two, but three copies of this book will be giving away as well. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Stephanie Kovar understands that personal injury help is a uniquely Christian concept. Christians sometimes balk at using a personal injury attorney after an accident, but Paul said that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. When you've been injured, it's important that the responsible party makes your temple well again. And the idea of restitution for lost wages and medical care comes from Exodus 21 and 22, where God outlines the concept of consequences and restitution. That biblical concept says that a person liable for injuring another must replace what is lost as a matter of justice. Sometimes being made whole means being compensated, and Stephanie Cover will fight for your wholeness because it is the Christian thing to do. And she is refreshingly honest. So if she feels like she's not the right attorney or that there is no case, she'll be upfront with you about it. If you've been in an accident, find out at no cost if Stephanie can help you by going to kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R. Today on The Bottom Line, going to get into a conversation about something that, you know, it's a new year, it's a new focus. A lot of people are, you know, experiencing relational issues that are maybe more complicated and frustrating than ever before. But it's very interesting how a lot of people, and I've been hearing this phrase a lot, are saying, yeah, but when I look through the lens of Scripture, when I look through what the Bible has or the Holy Spirit has for me, oftentimes some of the things I've seen that were problematic 
are all of a sudden maybe a, a bit more clear. Uh, maybe they're not necessarily easier to, to understand, but it becomes a bit simpler. Uh, pastor Alan Wright is with me today here on The Bottom Line, lead pastor of Rinalda Church in North Carolina, a popular conference speaker, author of the book, The Power to Bless, hosts a 30-minute daily radio program that airs nationally on over 400 stations, and is the author of a brand new book that we wanted to get into today called Seeing as Jesus Sees. Uh, Seeing a new perspective can defeat the darkness and awaken joy. We've got a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Pastor Alan Wright, welcome to The Bottom Line Show today. Thanks so much for having me, Roger. Good to be with you. I appreciate being with you. Well, brag on your show a little bit, so we can give a little, uh, you know, accolades here. Uh, talk about your uh, uh, your your radio broadcast and how many uh, different well, uh, states yeah. you're on right now. Right, right. Well, we uh, we've been on the radio for about 10, 10 years now, and every every radio broadcast is uh, uh, what I've been preaching. Um, so, you know, you get sort of a half of a sermon and, um, and sometimes we do other special programming and, um, we're on a couple of primary networks that gets us uh, around the nation. So we love doing that. Of course, uh, uh, our podcast as well. And, um, I, and I love writing out uh, a daily blessing that we've got lots of folks that get for free in their inbox, just, a positive vision spoken in faith over our lives. And um, so uh, we've, we enjoy being part of the, of the bigger picture. Mm. I, I'm grateful that you are. And when you mentioned that you launched into uh, radio ministry at a time when a lot of people are kind of moving away from it, you know, I mean, podcast is a part of it too. I'm always, I'm an old time radio person. So I'm always encouraged to see that there are pastors who are still saying, yes, this is an effective way to preach the gospel, to, to reach the unreachable and to edify those, especially during the pandemic. I'm sure you made a lot of new friends of uh, who were kind of stuck at home, you know, with a radio or a computer and, uh, and, and found some, uh, some encouragement from what you're uh, talking about here. Let's get into this whole issue of, of how a new perspective can can help us defeat darkness and awaken joy. I mean, you, you talk about in your book called Seeing as Jesus Sees, you talk about something you call unseeing. Uh, talk about that. I mean, and in terms of, uh, it, it, it's got to be, you know, really challenging for people who realize at some point, oh my gosh, I've been suffering from spiritual blindness all this time. Well, it, the ironies and the and the story of 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 the fall are so so uh, uh, woeful and powerful and and rich. The 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 serpent in the deception. Did God really say you can't eat any of this fruit? Okay, so twist God's word. No, he didn't. He didn't say that. He said we can't eat the fruit in the middle. And then here comes the deception. Ah, but God, God just he knows your eyes will be opened. And you'll be like God if you eat of that. And, and so when sin comes in the world, Adam and Eve are thinking, okay, we're gonna, our eyes are going to be more open, right? Well, the irony is their eyes were perfectly open. Mm. They, they saw everything accurately. We, we can't conceive of that in our sin. It does, we, don't, we don't have that in our sin nature. That's half our problem, is that we see things so inaccurately or blurred or we just got the wrong lenses on. Mm -hmm. And so they're duped into this by the serpent. And as soon as, as, soon as sin enters the world, um, the text says their eyes were open, but what it means is they were open suddenly to their nakedness, open to their, their eyes were open to the wrong things. They, they, they felt shame. They felt, so now everything that happens in humanity after that is marred because of that. And every one of us, if we are honest, 
uh, as believers, we say we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Okay. For each of us, it means that in some way, our spiritual vision has been tainted. You know, may, maybe it's people have a story like mine where I'm in fourth grade and 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 I thought I had a perfect family and my dad leaves home. And mm. well, what does what does that do to a little boy's soul? Right, right. right. I mean, uh, uh, if I'm a better boy, will dad come home? Right, right. Begin to look at things, and and we don't realize when we're not seeing accurately. Mm. We. I mean, people don't believe lies because they think they're lies. We believe them because they think they're they, true. It's right. the way you're seeing it. It's the way you're actually seeing it. And so everything goes wrong if we don't see it correctly. So in, in so many ways, what Jesus came to do was to open the eyes of the blind. Amen. And he, he came to be light and promised that we would, if we follow him, we'll no longer stumble about in the darkness. He doesn't want us tripping over things that that we should be able to see. He doesn't want us losing relationships because we didn't see something correctly. He doesn't want us lost in frustration in this broken world because uh, we're mired up in our own judgments. He, he got something much, much better for, for us than that. So I just started some years ago asking him more, just like a little spiritual practice, a new discipline. Jesus, how do you see this? Mm-hmm. How do you see this person? How do you see me? How do you see the world? How do you see this situation? And I think he's just delighted to help open up our eyes, the eyes of our heart to be enlightened as Paul prayed. Pastor Alan Wright is with me today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about his brand new book called Seeing as Jesus Sees, How a New Perspective Can Defeat the Darkness and Awaken Joy. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And I love what you're saying, Pastor Alan, about this whole uh, misperception that so many people have, not only in the world, but also in the church as well. And one of the sections where you talk about, you know, kind of turning the mirror on us, you know, turning the, the the light of examination there. And there are a lot of misconceptions that we have with regard to um, our faith in Christ and who we are in Christ. You have a whole chapter in this book that you dedicate to uh, those who, and I, I'm going to I'm going to make some people upset here, step on a couple of toes, because if you're from my generation, you remember the music of the late Keith Green. And Keith, the first Christian record I ever heard, I should say contemporary Christian record, was for him who has ears to hear. And uh, what there was a song called, um, he'll take care of the rest on that one, I believe. And, you know, the, the chorus says, do your best, pray that it's blessed, and he'll take care of the rest. Uh, well, that made sense when I was in high school, but the more the older I get, I'm like, wait a minute. That's kind of like saying, hey, God's an add-on. Jesus is my help buddy, as opposed to my Savior and Lord. Talk about how when we see ourselves who for who we really are in Christ, it can be a little daunting to realize that sometimes we get that equation backwards. We can get that totally backwards. And, I, you know, I, I'm, I, when you write a book like this, and I've broken into into some sections, how does Jesus see me? How does Jesus see others? How does Jesus see the world? And you're like, oh, I can't believe that I'm only going to have three chapters on each of these sections. You know, what do I choose? And, Roger, I decided to do a chapter in the first place on, as I study the scripture and look at how Jesus looks at me. And I, I'm thinking a lot about this is this that we're having a lot of fun at my house right now because our grandbaby's uh, staying with us. She's she's 14 months mm-hmm. and, and and she's learned to walk and learning to say some words. And I, I just I, I, I the way I look at her and I would want her to look at herself. How does how does God how does God look at us? How does he look at us? And 
I, I watch a toddler stumble and get up and learn to walk. And what you want, you want to be able to give to that little child. You want to impart. You're, you're, you're teaching. You're like, here, let me show you. Here's how you say, here's how you say this word. Look at the, do you see the water? There's a pond in our backyard. Wah, wah, you know, and you're, you're teaching that. And I, I think so often we think that, that God, Jesus looks at us like, okay, you're, you're my helper. And, um, and it's all up to you, you know, I'll save you. But then, I mean, like, I remember this, this story I heard in my, my parachurch organization that helped disciple me in college, where it's like this story of, of, of this angel talking to God and looking at the blue planet and God telling him about this planet and the people were there and, and, um, and how he was going to, going to send, send a savior. But then the people had to tell everyone about it. And the angel says, but what if they don't tell others, what's the backup plan? And God says, there is no other plan. I remember mm. those things like, oh, it's just all up to me, you know? Right, right. And it's just like, and, and we can take this, like, we think the Christian life is primarily about us doing something for God, but that's not the way Jesus sees us. Right, right. He doesn't see us that way. He sees, we're not as, we're not, we're not, we're not the helpers he's relying on. Instead, I think he came to, give. He said, the son of man came to serve. And, and when he came to wash Peter's feet and Peter said, you can't wash my feet. Never, never. It's beneath, it's beneath you. I should be. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you'll have no part of me. And that's inheritance language. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, that's, you're not going to get the inheritance. And then Peter goes, oh, well then wash all of me. Right. <laughs> He's saying, if you can't let me wash your feet, if you can't let me serve you in that way, how are you going to let me serve you by dying for you on a cross? Hmm. Let me serve you by pouring out my Holy Spirit into your life. How are you going to let me serve you on the day of Pentecost when I'm going to fill your mouth with the words to preach Pentecost sermon? So I began to say, like, this is a paradigm shift, right? So much of this and, and the whole book is just like one paradigm shift after the other. It's like, it, it's not primarily about seeing Jesus as is 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 someone you're supposed to be helping it's about seeing him as the one who came to help you right mm-hmm. well and i love the, well i love that that helping angle because when we we think okay a helper i'm going to make a mess and then he's going to kind of help me out of it and you're saying no wait a minute this this starts with he is serving he is the the, the greatest in the kingdom is a servant of all and let me show you how it's done so now you begin to realize that his service helps us to grow in faith, to recognize the the sin nature that we're trying to overcome. And it really does uh, kind of puts things in a better perspective. And I'm grateful that you broke it out this way, Pastor Alan Wright. The book is called Seeing as Jesus Sees, How a New Perspective Can Defeat the Darkness and Awaken Joy. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Pastor Alan Wright is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Pastor Alan is the lead pastor of Rinalda Church in North Carolina, uh, who's a popular conference speaker and hosts a daily 30-minute radio program as well. Uh, He's the author of the book, Power to Bless, and he's also the author of a brand new book called Seeing as Jesus Sees, How a New Perspective Can uh, Defeat the Darkness and Awaken Joy in Your Life. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. During the break, uh, Pastor Allen, you brought up a really interesting point that I want to kind of start our second segment of the conversation with, with regard to oftentimes when it comes to change and positive change or negative impact, 
a lot of times we have a tendency to think, okay, well, if I want to change, it's kind of like a diet plan, right? I got to lose 30 pounds. And so that means I have to hit the gym and change my exercise routine and then go home, change things in the kitchen. And over the period of time, I'll get the results I want. But in God's economy, since a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day, things can happen a lot more quickly, can't they? Talk, talk about how a new perspective or some incident can actually bring things together a lot quicker than we might automatically and, think. And every, an everyday example, and one that I use at the start of the book, to make this point, imagine a businessman, he gets on a subway, he's tired at the end of a long day, wants to unfurl his newspaper, relax for a few moments for the train ride. But then a man comes on with two boys that are bouncing around, they're rambunctious, unruly, and they're bothering all of the passengers, bouncing mm. into them, grabbing at their papers. But what bothers the businessman more than the boys is the inattentive dad who's not doing anything to just. Mm. And, you know, and I think a lot of us could go, oh, yeah, I know that feeling. I've seen it. <laughs> How many times we wish we could say something to a parent, like, don't you think you should, you know, let me tell you how to do this. You know how our minds go. Like, we think we know the situation. And so the more the businessman stewed over it, the more he thought, I just can't stand. I got to say something to this man. So finally, he just says, sir, sir. He said, can't you see that your your boys are bothering people? And don't, don't you think you should do something about that? And as if emerging from a fog the father says uh yes you're you're right boys calm down calm down boys he said he said i'm i'm sorry he said I, i'm not thinking straight i don't my boys aren't thinking straight we we just left the, the hospital their mother died hmm. uh, a couple of hours ago and uh I, my wife's gone I, i'm not boys calm down calm down well suddenly this businessman who was the well-known author, Stephen Covey, he said, he immediately said, oh, I'm sorry, they're not bothering me. How can I help you? Mm. I, I'm, and when he said, this is the thing that I like, when he said, they're not bothering me, and he showed compassion to the father, he meant it. So he, he didn't just say, well, I still feel impatient with these boys. No, he actually did have compassion and patience emerge right so the fruit of the spirit came up the 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 very the very change that we might want to make that we can't make by trying to be that which just nobody can be patient by saying i'm going to try to be more patient right but, but when you see something like that it changes everything which makes me think of stories like the Emmaus road disciples who are on the greatest day of history resurrection day they're on their way to Emmaus, and they are as depressed as they could possibly be, the most depressed in their life, just because they don't know what's really happened. Hmm. So Jesus comes and meets with them. The text says they stood still looking sad, and Jesus came into that grief with them, but then they connected with him, and in the breaking of the bread, their eyes were opened. Hmm. Now, the greatest joy. So in one day, everything changes. And I think, Roger, that's how, I'm not saying that all this kind of change in our life is instant, but there are relationships that could be transformed just that quickly because right. God clears up. There, there, can be, there can be whole new patience that a parent feels. There can be uh, someone who is just so burning up with, with resentment that can get healed by just having Jesus's eyes. There's a lot. Yes. It's, it's, it's really, 
there's a power uh, in seeing that is gospel power, is revelation power, and, and we need that. Oh, that's great counsel from Pastor Alan Wright today here on The Bottom Line. His brand new book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And by the way, it has nothing but five-star reviews. Uh, the book is called Seeing as Jesus Sees, How a New Perspective Can Defeat the Darkness and Awaken Joy. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Pastor Alan, only a couple moments left in our time together. And I, I, I'd love to get your perspective on this because it seems as though we talk about it here on The Bottom Line a lot on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We talk about the frustrations we have with the sinful nature of the world, with the political system, you know, wars and all these different things. And a lot of Christians you can see are frustrated angry, depressed, almost even despondent over what's happening. Help us understand what Jesus sees, knowing that he has overcome the world, and yet watching us in the world where he prayed for us and said, look, Father, I pray that you protect them. We're not taking them out. We're leaving them here, but protect them here. Give us a word of encouragement that if Jesus sees the world the way he does, that we can have that same vision as well. Well, when I studied the, the gospel narratives again, to look at everything through Jesus's eyes and see how does he see this world, we got to remember the world he was born into in a Roman empire was abhorrent. Hmm. This was a world in which men took young boys, underage boys, and no one said it was wrong. This is a hmm. world which they exposed their infant girls because they didn't want girls and would just let them die outside their house. This is a world where if you have visited Pompeii and you could see frozen in time, a first century household, there is pornography on the walls. That's a world in which I've seen it in Ephesus. It's etched into the sidewalk where you turn to go find the brothel. This was a horrible idol, idol filled world that worshiped the emperor and Jesus was born into that. Mm. So we, we understand we, we don't live in a more frustrating time than what Jesus faced. <laughs> Yeah. And yet when I looked in the gospel narratives at how he looked at this sinful world, what I saw surprised me. I saw that a lot of the things that make me mad made him sad. Mm. That he stood at least twice over Jerusalem and wept. Wept, yeah. And how I longed to gather you as a mother hen with her chicks and you weren't willing. He was sad about the destruction that it would bring. He was sad when he had looked upon them and said, they look like sheep that don't have a shepherd. They're, they're helpless. He was saying they're being attacked and they don't know the truth and they're, they're scattered and they need a good shepherd. In other words, what he did when he looked at the world, he said, when sheep don't have a shepherd, here's the way they act. They're, they're, they're scattered. They're crazy. They're, they're doing ridiculous things. When people don't have the right leadership, when they don't have, uh, they don't have God, then they're going to act in all these godless ways. And so he was sad about that. And it moved him in ministry and compassion towards them. The times that he was mad, he was actually mad at religious leaders who were mm -hmm. being a blockade to the sinners. For the actual sinners, he had an amazing compassion. God yes, so yes. loved the world. And I think that while there is a righteous anger that we all feel when we see the endorsement of sin, and I mean, there are things that I think would make Jesus very mad. We see it through his eyes. He is a protector of the innocent, right? So I think that the, the taking of innocent life, whether it be an unborn child or whether it be the distortions that are being given, I think these things would be seen through his eyes. But I also think that when he looks at the world, He's grieved, and I, I would rather grieve 
than just be mad. Because in our grief, blessed are those that mourn, they'll be comforted. And we mm. have a fellowship with Jesus in that. There's a fellowship in the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we just get lost in our frustration and our anger. And it just, it, it ends up just making us miserable. And I know this from looking at all of these gospel narratives through Jesus' eyes. He's not afraid. He's not worried. Mm -hmm. He is. He has seen Satan fall like lightning. And I think he wants us to look at this world through his eyes that sees the cosmic victory that's already been secured. So he's not afraid. He's not worried. He grieves over all the sin, but love compels him. And I, I just think, Roger, we would all do well to have more of that kind of vision. Amen. Boy, that's a great distinction and a powerful exhortation, too, from Pastor Alan Wright. And we're so grateful to have had him on the broadcast today to share it with us. His brand new book is called Seeing as Jesus Sees, How a New Perspective Can Defeat the Darkness and Awaken Joy. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Pastor Alan Wright, thank you so much for being with us today here on The Bottom Line Show. Really appreciate the visit. Thanks so much. An honor to be with you, Roger. Great dialogue, and I'm so glad we have three copies of this book to give away. Thanks again to Pastor Alan Wright to the book Seeing as Jesus Sees, How a New Perspective Can Defeat the Darkness and Awaken Joy. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. More on this topic in just a moment as the bottom line continues. I can't say enough about Preborn, and I'm going to keep talking about them because I love what this organization stands for. Basically, what they stand for is the truth, the truth and the science, the truth and the science and being honest about the situation that a woman is facing when she is facing an unplanned pregnancy. Did you know this is a problem within the church? 60% of the women who have abortions in the United States do so after already having given birth at least once. 54% of the women who have abortions in the United States are church-going women if not Bible-believing, born-again Christians. So what does that say? It tells me that we in the church need to do a better job of educating people as to what's really going on when a woman tests positive for pregnancy, as they say. Go to a pre-born clinic, they'll do the pregnancy test, then they will do an ultrasound. And the ultrasound technology will show you the pictures of the child in the womb, and then they'll tell you the three options, not the two that the abortion clinics. The abortion clinics say, either you're gonna be a parent and that's gonna be expensive and ruin your life, just have an abortion, the third option is adoption, and Preborn recommends adoption every single time a woman comes in with an unplanned pregnancy. 85% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and have the ultrasound choose life for their baby. You can help in this effort. Make your one time donation to Preborn today. Go to kbrightradio.com and click on the Preborn banner. My thanks again to pastor and author Alan Wright for joining me today here on The Bottom Line. Nothing but five stars for this book. And I found it to be very, very helpful, especially if you are in a situation where maybe there's someone who you were good friends with, whether at church or a family member or something, and you have a hard time getting together, getting on the same page now. Um, this book, Seeing as Jesus Sees, How a New Perspective Can Defeat the Darkness and Awaken Joy. Uh, will It'll get rid of some of the needless misunderstandings that you have in relationships. And I find, especially in the political world, you know this is going to happen. You know, we're going to talk about the Iowa caucuses on the other side of this break and play a little bit from the Donald Trump, you know, is Messiah video that's gotten everybody all up in a Twitter. And you know that there are some two well-meaning good friends right now who are going to come to blows over this and it's going to sully their relationship to the point where maybe it won't continue anymore. Um, Pastor Alan Wright's book will help you. 
Seeing as Jesus sees how a new perspective can defeat the darkness and awaken joy. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have not one, not two, but three copies of this book that we're giving away today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus is coming up next. For those who remain on the network, the Iowa caucuses happened yesterday. It's Super Tuesday, and we're going to get into this. We're going to get into it pretty hot and heavy. What do you think of the results? We, we, not a whole lot of surprise going on. Really, the only surprising news, Chris Christie was on the ballot, but he pulled out of the campaign. It's really a three contender race at this point on the GOP side. Uh, Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina, former U.S. ambassador to the U.N., uh, Ron DeSantis, current governor of Florida, former congressman and a Navy SEAL. And then, of course, you know, there's that guy, <laughs> the, the lightning rod. There are a lot of people who are saying, OK, I'm putting my hope in Jesus this time. I'm not going to take the bet, you know, for this one. If it comes down to Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, what, what's going to happen? And maybe more importantly, what does this say about America? What does this say about our Christianity? We're going to discuss all of these issues, and I want to put it to you. We're going to introduce a live chat feature that I'll explain on the other side of this break. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not super tech savvy, so I'm not quite fully aware of how it works yet, but the team's going to help me. Uh, we're going to get to it. You can also call in at 800-227-5278. want to get your reaction to the Iowa caucuses. And then basically, of course, the question is, if the election were held today, knowing who the front runners are, would you vote for them or would you vote for a third party candidate? And the reason that's important now is because in the primaries, that's basically where the die is cast. That's where you can vote your conscience. But once the general election happens, you're basically voting against the person you don't want to go in. Let's talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. <laughs> bow, bow. One riff. And that just sets the whole thing on fire. Pete Way from UFO Fastway, say what you will, is one riff. But you know what? It's a perfect way for us to lead into the Super Tuesday segment here on the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We're still taking your calls, by the way, uh, for Pastor Alan Wright's book, uh, Seeing as Jesus Sees How a New Perspective Can Defeat the Darkness and Awaken Joy, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We have not one, not two, but three copies of that book we're giving away. And if you found yourself in the last presidential election cycle, it's amazing to think it's been four years since the pandemic, since the 2020 election, since all the irregularities of said election, since uh, Resolution 1 was passed by the House of Representatives in 2019 that basically said we want mail-in voting, we want early voting, that benefits Democrats. I mean, the Democrat majority wanted that. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I've been a registered uh, voter here in the People's Republic of California since I was of age, and I was maybe two election cycles into it when I applied to be an absentee voter, simply because at the time I was living in San Luis Obispo. Home base for me was Orange County. I wanted to vote in the Orange County election. And so for the primaries, I registered absentee. And I've never regretted voting absentee, simply because sometimes, I don't know, you know, I mean, back in the old election day mentality, I didn't know where I was going to be on that first Tuesday in November. Now with early voting and all sorts of other opportunities to get your vote in earlier, I guess it doesn't matter as much. 
But 75% of the voters in California vote early, absentee. But this whole thing with Alan Wright and the idea that if we take a look at the eternal perspective, see the way Jesus sees things, I think we'll... Uh, interesting uh, conversation. Before we get into this Trump is Messiah um, video, we're going to play the audio of it here. Um, I should remind you also, my thanks to uh, uh, our friends at Watermark OC. Um, they have been gracious enough. We're having, we've got this event coming up on um, Saturday, the Homeschool Made Simple, a literature-based approach to education. And uh, Ben Appleby was with me at the first half hour of the program today. There is a cost involved in this Saturday's event, but we have a pair of tickets if you'd like to go. 800-227-5278. It's kind of everyone wins Tuesday today here on the Bottom Line Show. 800-227-5278 if you'd like to go. If you're considering homeschooling or maybe your grandkids, your, maybe your adult children are considering homeschooling their kids, and you want to know, you heard Pastor Ben say, he and his wife Riley have 11 children, and they are homeschooling all of them. I mean, man, that's a commitment. Here's the story. No, wait, uh, they, that, they'd need the Partridge family bus to handle the, all those kids, right? And they'd still have room let o, left over. Homeschool Made Simple, Watermark OC Church, right here by the Bottom Line Show Studios. 800-227-5278, a pair of tickets to that event this Saturday, and one of three of Pastor Alan Wright's books, Up for Grabs, as well, Seeing as Jesus Sees. The reason I'm so glad we had Alan on today is basically... This is kind of the beginning of the day of reckoning for people who vote conservatively in the United States. And the conservative reckoning goes something like this. Donald Trump has been the odds-on favorite to take the GOP nomination for the past two years. Everyone knew that. Would there be a formidable foe? Well, the answer pretty clearly was no. And yet, people continued on saying, as well you should. Don't just say, well, Donald Trump's the, he's going to get it and, and, and just roll over and lay down. And Chris Christie and Vivek Ramaswamy or Swami and uh, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. Two years ago, January of 2022, if the election were held that day, I think Ron DeSantis would have won in a landslide. No questions asked. He was facing all that backlash with the quote unquote, don't say gay bill. Remember that whole issue? And the fact that he um, was being tormented by the left for, for basically not really, um, the, the, the bill itself I don't think goes far enough in terms of parental education. It's the Parental Notification and Rights in Education bill that basically said that in Florida public schools they will not teach any sort of transgender ideology or LGBTQ history, sexuality, whatever, won't even mention it in the classroom for kids in public school, grades kindergarten, first, second, and third. Starting in fourth grade, it's open season for the left because you remember growing up, ask yourself this question. I am sure, looking back, that two of my elementary school teachers were in same-sex relationships. This was in the late 60s, early 70s. But we all had to guess. You know, they both had roommates. No one ran around flouting this stuff. Now you've got gay teachers saying, hey, I, I hate the fact that I'm a guy and I'm married to a guy and I want to talk about what my husband and I do on the weekend to my kindergartners. No, you don't need to talk about that at all. My mom taught first grade for 30 years. Do you have any idea how many of her students knew where she lived, that she had a home? They thought she lived at school. I'm serious about this. I, I remember grocery shopping with my mom once. Alpha Beta, corner of 17th Street in Tustin. It used to be a claim jumper. Now I think it's a, a Raising Cane's or something like that. <laughs> There's a bunch of other stuff in there. We were grocery shopping, and one of my mom's students was there with his mother. 
And so mom and the mother are talking, and I'm kind of sitting there. I'm probably 12, 13 years old. And this little boy is just transfigured. He's got this transfigured look on his face as he is just glued into my mom. And finally, they make their way. She says, I'll see you Monday in class. And we kept on walking. And I said, boy, what was that all about? And she said, he thinks I live here or he thinks I live at the school. It's so weird for him to see me outside of the context of the classroom. <laughs> she said, I get that a lot. So what makes the left think that all of the parents in Florida are going to say, hey, how come you aren't talking about your sexuality? How come you aren't talking about your partner? How come you're not showing up pictures of you in thong bikinis on vacation to four and five-year-old children? Oh, gee, I don't know. So kudos to Ron DeSantis. Two years ago, for stepping up, I, I'm surprised that the only disappointment for me is that it stopped at third grade. It should have gone all the way through high school. But then something, the wheels came off the cart. I don't know who his campaign manager has been. I don't know who's been handling his campaign. Didn't think Ron DeSantis was going to do that well in the Iowa caucuses, which happened yesterday, by the way. So open season on elections. Well, guess what happened? In fourth place with about mm, 7,000 votes, Vivek Ramaswamy who used his fourth place finish to say, I'm bowing, I'm, I'm suspending my campaign, and I'm throwing my support behind Donald Trump. He got more than the PR he was hoping for out of this whole thing. Nobody ever thought that Vivek Ramaswamy was going to, maybe Jenna Ellis did, but nobody else did. Thought that this guy, he's too young, he's too unproven, doesn't necessarily line up with the religious values that most American voters would want. I'm not suggesting he doesn't have to have, he's got every right to practice whatever religion he chooses to. But if you're going to win mainstream America's votes, you know, you know how the drill goes. In third place, rather surprisingly, Nikki Haley. It was close, but Ron DeSantis edged her out, about 22,000 and changed to 22,000 and a few more coins. So Ron DeSantis second, Nikki Haley third, Vivek Ramaswamy fourth. And the reason I give you the statistics that way is because Donald Trump came in first. You knew he was going to. And he got more votes than the other three candidates combined. Now, there were some others who were on the, uh, on the bill. I think Asa Hutchinson, former governor of Arkansas, was on there. He's long gone. Chris Christie suspended his campaign. He may have gotten a couple of votes as well. But now we find ourselves in the rather interesting situation of Donald Trump has won a caucus. And Donald Trump is talking like a statesman, calling for party unity. Hey, guys, let's get on board. I know I was kind of a jerk to you before, but, uh, you know, maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, um, we've got the opportunity to bring the conservative side of the equation together. Question is, what do you think? Now, before we open the phones at 800-227-5278, two things. First of all, we're going to play vi a little audio of a video we've got up at thebottomlineshow.com. Maybe you've heard about this. Prior to the Iowa caucuses, a media group of some sort put together a video in support of Donald Trump. And it was so offensive to members of the clergy that this whole groundswell of pastors and priests and things all got together and publicly denounced it. So I thought, well, I got to take a look at this, right? And so I did. And I shot it over to Tamara and I said, we got to have the audio ready to play. So Joel's got it all queued up and ready to go on the other side of this break. I was going to ask you what you think of Donald Trump's victory in the Iowa caucuses, because now it's pretty much a clear shot to November for Donald Trump. No one is going to change the trajectory is my prediction. I like Nikki Haley. There are parts of her campaign I wasn't really fond of. I liked 
past tense, Ron DeSantis. I'm curious to get your take. We haven't talked politics in a while. I wanted to keep it out of the fray until we got into the actual election season. But we're going to hear this. And after you hear this audio from this video in praise of Donald Trump that was denounced by Christian pastors all throughout the state of Iowa, what do you think about, I mean, are you still a Trump supporter? Do you have friends who are Trump supporters? Remember, the reason, part of the reason I wanted Alan Wright on the program is to see the way Jesus sees, because it breaks my heart to see good, well-meaning Christians parting company, no longer fellowshipping with each other over politics. Brothers and sisters, if you have a friend in, who is strong in their faith, and you're strong in your faith, and politics breaks you apart, you're doing politics wrong. I mean that sincerely. Heaven and earth will pass away. Republicans and Democrats will pass away. The word of God will never pass away. Your first and priority relationship is with the Lord and with his children. Full stop. After you hear this, and again, I'm because I'm just as up in the air as a lot of people. It looks like Donald Trump has a straight shot, no interference to the GOP nomination. What does that mean for us as Christians? So we'll open up the phones, give you a chance to call in after you hear the audio, but we're also introducing a new feature today. You're going to hear more about this over the next couple of days. If you listen to the Bottom Line Show on the K-Bright app, and a lot of people do, we have, you know, there's a group chat function on that phone. And again, I'm talking about this like I know what I'm doing, and I am the least tech—I have no trouble— acknowledging that Lisa wears the tech pants in the family here. She's the gadget geek. She loves that stuff. She works in IT. That is completely hers. But I can make my way around a few apps, right? And we have people, I've got some folks who are in the chat right now who are saying, hey, I'm listening on the app, and this is fantastic. You can listen on the Kbrite app, and there's a group chat function. If you want to express your interest and your opinion on the group chat function, just Go to the app, you've got it, you register, you know, make sure that we know who you are, and then boom, you can drop in a comment, you can ask a question, make a suggestion. Now, I guarantee you, we, the team is looking at the chat room. I'm flying the plane here, so I'm not always looking at the chat going, oh, wow, they're asking about that. I, I'm not always got my eyes on it. But if you want to, go to the Capebrite app, download it for free, whatever store you need to get it from, and let's do this, because I think it'll be a lot of fun. So... Donald Trump, is he the new GOP messiah who's going to save America? That's one of the assertions that is made in the uh, campaign promo that ran in uh, Iowa right before the caucuses. We're going to take a listen to that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know, one of the things that I think is so important for us to remember when we think about who we are as, as Christ followers, is that God makes us, each one of us, in our mother's wombs. He puts us together and forms us that way. The world doesn't see that that way anymore. It's amazing to me how many people say, I trust the science, but they don't understand the science of how a human being is actually created. Our friends at Preborn do, and you have been giving so generously with your donations of $28 for one ultrasound visit, because every time a woman who's expecting a child sees the baby in the ultrasound, 85% of the time she chooses life for the baby either to become a mother at home or to uh, release that child for adoption. Your $28 donation is completely tax deductible. Every $28 donation saves a life. Every $15,000 donation provides an ultrasound machine for a preborn clinic right here in the Southland. Call 833-850-BABY to make your donation. 833-850-2229. That spells out B-A-B-Y. 
or go online to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com. Look for the pre-born banner. When you click on that banner, then it's easy to make your donation, especially if all your credit card information is already saved in your computer. Go to kbrightradio.com. Hit the pre-born banner today. I could almost do that when I was in college. Yeah, I'll try Bono every now and again. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We're going to give a listen to this Donald Trump is Messiah video in just a moment. First, I want to thank a couple of, well, congratulate a couple of winners, Steve from San Diego and also Kathy from Stockton, a K-Bright and KCBC listener, respectively. Uh, each of them have won copies of Pastor Alan Wright's book, Seeing as Jesus Sees, How a New Perspective Can Defeat the Darkness and Awaken Joy. We have one more copy of the book that we're giving away today. It's up for grabs. And in this highly contested, uh, volatile political environment we're in right now, Seeing as Jesus Sees is going to help, I think, save relationships and ultimately Help us to not blow our witness because we get so hung up on a political candidate. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Okay, let's get into it, Joel. Uh, this is a, a brace yourself. This is a video that was produced. I don't know the production company that did it. We're just hearing the audio part. It's an homage to Donald Trump that aired in uh, local media in Iowa before the caucuses that happened just yesterday. Go ahead, cut number one if you would. And on June 14, 1946, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker, so God gave us Trump. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, fix this country, work all day, fight the Marxists, eat supper, then go to the Oval Office and stay past midnight at a meeting of the heads of state. So God made Trump. I need somebody hey, hold on with say, arms. Joe, let's, let's stop for just a second. He's going to get into more of this there. But did you catch all this? I'm going to need somebody who's got like the strength of a farmer and the wisdom of a politician and doesn't need a lot of food and is going to roll up his sleeves and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. I mean, wait a minute. I believe Psalm 139 is true. God knits everybody together in our mother's wombs. That's what we fight for with preborn all the time. You could see the child in the mother's womb. I have two grandchildren right now percolating and ready to come out in March and April, respectively. So we, we get this. But the idea that God looks at this one man compared to any other and said, well, I need someone to save my, promise, my promised land. It's a pretty bold statement. I mean, if God created the heavens and the earth and the center point of the Lord's return is in Israel, Help me understand my promised land being America again? Okay, Joel, please continue. Strong enough to rustle the deep state, and yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild. Somebody to ruffle the feathers, tame cantankerous World Economic Forum, come home hungry, have to wait until the first lady is done with lunch with friends, then tell the ladies to be sure and come back real soon, and mean it. So God gave us Trump. I need somebody who can shape an axe but wield a sword, who had the courage to step foot in North Korea, who can make money from the tar of the sand, turn liquid to gold, who understands the difference between tariffs and inflation, will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon, but then put in another 72 hours. So God made Trump. Okay. I mean, it goes on from there. And we'll get into... The rest of it in just a moment. But first, though, did you catch all, I mean, all of the different things that are, I think, a hard work ethic is honorable, is noble, 
And we would be remiss if we look back on the four years of the Donald Trump presidency from January 2017 to January 2021. And if we did not see the good things that happened in this nation on his watch, and I, I use that phrase very carefully, because on his watch, we saw some things happen that we haven't seen happen. I mean, for the good of this nation, on his watch, they did happen. But does that put him into messianic territory? Does America need a, a savior any more than France does? Or Liechtenstein, Australia? I mean, I mean think about this. The, 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 the accomplishments of President Trump are noteworthy. This is a guy who looked at foreign policy and said, yeah, religious liberty has to be the driving force of that. This is a guy who looked at the Mexico policy and said, yeah, we're, we're going in the pro-life direction. Now, when he did that, so did Ronald Reagan, so did George W. Bush. I mean, the, the fact that the U.S. would not send money to international nations that were uh, promoting abortion. But when Barack Obama was in office, when Bill Clinton was in office, they did, because they think it's health care. Nothing really heroic about reversing that. And funding to Planned Parenthood actually went up during the Trump administration. It went up during the Obama administration. It went up during the George W. Bush administration. It went up during the Bill Clinton administration. So, I mean, that, nothing really heroic there. And the abortion industry keeps moving away. I mean, yes, he was probably, arguably, the most pro-life uh, president. And then, of course, let's not forget the judicial appointments to the Supreme Court. But does that warrant the kind of praise and adulation that the makers of this video pour upon him in the video. I'm curious. If you've got a comment, go to our live chat at the KBright app or call us at 800-227-5278. We'll take a quick break and come back with more of this audio in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Here's Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial Services with a reminder that your investments do more than just make money. They actually change lives. This Christmas, we gave our family the gift of life. So I thought, let's do the same for our Wilson Financial clients. A way of saying thank you for being in partnership with us in the ministry. What we're going to do to honor our clients is we're going to fund 100 ultrasounds per month, each month for the next 12 months through preborn. Also, each quarter, we're going to buy an ultrasound machine. And at the end of the year, those machines will be saving an average of 1,600 children per year. We do this to honor and inform our clients of this great ministry and to say thank you for being our clients and being our friends. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We are listening to this audio, and we're actually, um, tomorrow morning, we'll be recording the next edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Uh, John Rush, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, and yours truly. And I know John's pretty passionate about uh, what he likes and doesn't like about the audio of this uh, video from President Trump. Uh, Joel, let's go ahead and hear, the, this is the, basically, we're, they're calling it the Trump is Messiah presentation that has really ruffled some feathers in the Midwest. A whole group of pastors in Iowa prior to the caucuses, once this ad aired, it's about two and a half minutes long, uh, they publicly denounced it and said, this is ridiculous. We have one savior. His name is Jesus Christ. It's not Donald Trump. But you decide. Go ahead and let's hear cut number two now, if you would. God had to have somebody willing to go into the den of vipers, call out the fake news for their tongues as sharp as a serpent's. 
poison of vipers is on their lips and yet stop. So God made Trump. God said, I need somebody who will be strong and courageous, who will not be afraid or terrified of the wolves when they attack. A man who cares for the flock, a shepherd to mankind who won't ever leave nor forsake them. I need the most diligent worker to follow the path and remain strong in faith and know the belief of God and country. Somebody who's willing to drill, bring back manufacturing and American jobs, farm the lands, secure our borders, build our military, fight the system all day, and finish a hard week's work by attending church on Sunday. And then his oldest son turns and says, Dad, let's make America great again. Dad, let's build back a country to be the envy of the world again. So God made Trump. And that's how the spot ends. It's, uh, you can tell they got this kind of Paul Harvey-esque type of uh, announcer. Uh, the music in the background, very solemn and somber. There's all sorts of visuals. People listen with their eyes these days. And it's an homage to Donald Trump, basically saying, you know, the, the, the second coming, you know, here's the new Messiah for America is Donald Trump. And I agree with the pastors for saying, no, this is, you, you can't tolerate this. You can't put something like this out there and not have the church step up. And I add my voice to that chorus. But there are some good points that were made in here with regard to some of the things that President Trump did when he was, in fact, President Trump. He did call out the mainstream alphabet, legacy media, whatever you want to call it, for their one note, everybody follows along, copy and paste style of journalism that happens right now. I mean, Anthony Fauci is testifying behind closed doors in a congressional hearing and over a hundred times says, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't remember, I don't remember, about all of the mandates that were put in about COVID when people really didn't fully understand the ramifications of COVID and there were no treatments, it was just wait for the vaccine, wait for the vaccine, as if they created this crisis and the whole point was to sell people another vaccine. But at the end of the day, this is your candidate who has the lead. He overwhelmingly won the Iowa caucuses yesterday. And this is where we are in the United States. I'll tell you what really threw my support away from Donald Trump. I mean, I voted for him in 16. Why not? Let's give it a shot. Better than Hillary Clinton. And I was pleasantly surprised. I believe we had a, a modern day Cyrus. God was using a man who was not necessarily a man of God, but to do godly things in the country. But I don't need, we don't need, I don't believe we do need. We don't need a pastor. We don't need a Messiah to come into the White House and purify us from all of our, the, the culture is too far gone. And Christians have been successful in going into all the world and preaching the gospel in nations that have been hostile to Christianity for centuries. I mean, starting with the early church battling against Rome, the whole issue with the so-called Palestinian versus Israeli conflict. Palestine is a name that was assigned to Persia by Rome. So... Donald Trump on foreign policy, A+. Plus. I thought the guy did great. Moving the embassy from uh, the U.S. Embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, brilliant. Perfect and part of Bible prophecy, but I don't give Donald Trump credit for that. It was the Christians who got around him and supported that. I know many people who were in the White House for those four years, and some of them came away unscathed, and others came away affected. But then at the end of the day, 
When the election did not go his way and the president did not step back with grace and dignity, the president did not look at the nation's best interest, he threw a temper tantrum, brought a whole bunch of legal experts together, and now is throwing them ceremonially under the bus and abandoning them, calling them traitors too. I have to wonder, is Donald Trump's time up? I thought it was. Will conservatives and Christians put together a third party that has enough oomph and enough chutzpah behind it to actually overtake not only the Trump machine, but don't forget, you got the Democrats lying in wait saying, yes, we want Donald Trump to run for president. That's points in our favor because we know we can take this guy down. All we have to do is split the Republican vote and we'll win. At the end of the day, though, brothers and sisters, pray as if your life depends on it. That What's that Michael Youssef book? Read the Bible as if your life depends on it. But please understand, we're moving into some murkier waters right now where we're not going to find the ideal Christian candidate for president. We're going to have to make a choice as to whether or not we should vote. I believe we should. And whether or not we pick the candidate that God will use to accomplish his purpose. Even if it means life gets tougher for us in the body of Christ. This is four years we're talking about compared to eternity with the Lord. Who are you more afraid of? That's the bottom line.